Silence can be uncomfortable, can't it? We might refer to uh, an awkward silence in a situation that isn't going well. But um, silence can also be painful, though. Picture a child uh, craving words of, encour- words of encouragement or, or comfort from their parents. How would that child feel if their parent remained silent? What does the silence lead them to conclude about how their parent feels about them or their situation? And as, uh, as has already been said this morning, the reality is that many of us have experienced silence from God. Maybe we're even still experiencing silence. And even if you haven't yet felt God to be silent, the chances are that you will if you live long enough. That's the reality. So this morning we're going to uh, think about, sorry, about how we can live through those experiences of silence from God. Uh, I'm going to share something of our personal story, uh, myself and my wife Jo, and uh, we're going to take a look at Psalm 22 as well. Um, our story is similar to Phil's, we'll come on to that. But, uh, and as Lou's already said, this is the first part of a mini-series that we're going to be working through, and so uh, yeah, we're plowing through this kind of stuff over, over the next few weeks. Um, let's, just, let's just pray once more um, before we continue. Our Father, we've already sung of your goodness and mercy, and we pray that your goodness and mercy would follow us, would go before us as you go before us now. And Father, we ask that you'd be here by your Spirit, ministering your grace to us, and that you'd bring and speak comfort into our lives. And we pray that for those who are in darkness at the moment, and also we pray it for those who are in times of rejoicing uh, as you prepare them for what might be to come. So our Father, please be at work among us today. Amen. So, sorry, I'm having silence from my um, notes this morning as well, which is helpful. Um, why can't I find a job? Why won't God provide employment for me? Why do I continually face rejection? Maybe you have a job, but maybe God seems silent as to your questions over why this job? What should I really be doing with my life? Why has God put me here and not somewhere else? Or maybe your question is different. Why have you made me like this? Why do people treat me like that? Why won't you stop the bullying? Why am I still alone? When will you hear my crying and respond to my tears? Why do I have to live with this dull ache in my heart? Why won't you heal me? Why won't you make her better? Why won't you restore them? How could you let him die? Why didn't you save him? This is just a few of the experiences we might go through in life where we feel God is silent. And uh, for some of us, these experiences will be in the past, as, uh, as Phil has shared. And we're now aware of, of how God has answered our cries in some way. He didn't remain silent. And uh, I certainly don't want to minimize or, or trivialize the pain of those times. Phil's already shared that that pain is carried with him. The pain of those past experiences and still felt in the present. 
But I also want to recognize that for some of us, uh, those experiences are ongoing. We haven't yet had any sense of God answering our cries. We're still waiting, still longing for that silence to be broken. And then for some of us, we've passed the point where God can do anything about that which we cried and cried to him about. Uh, I pleaded with God to save my dad's life, uh, to save his life in, in two senses, in both the sense I wanted him to live, I wanted God to heal him from the cancer, but I also wanted God to save him, to bring him into the relationship with him that I enjoy, that he's brought me into. But dad died. God was silent, and now there's no hope, or no certainty at least, that that silence will be answered. I think it might also be helpful to recognize the distinction between a difficult time that lasts a couple of weeks and a longer-term sustained longing. Again, it's not that short-term suffering is not painful or significant, but I just want to recognize that unanswered prayer can feel more unanswered the longer it goes on. Maybe that's an unfulfilled longing for a relationship. Or maybe in the case of some guys I was speaking to uh, the other day, it's a sustained questioning over a work situation that just goes on and on. Or maybe you think, you're, uh, maybe you think of your sustained longing for, for your children to, to return to you or, or to return to the Lord. And uh, on this uh, International Day of Prayer for the Persecuted Church, we'll think about this a bit later, we might consider the sustained suffering of our brothers and sisters who face fear Grief, violence, I assume for some of them at least, a sense of silence from God. Well, I want to uh, just kind of share a bit about our story, my my story uh, with you this morning. Um, 2006, uh, cast your mind back, the era of uh, George Bush still and Tony Blair, uh, the year Saddam Hussein was given the death sentence, Slightly more light-hearted note, Daniel Craig played James Bond for the first time in Casino Royale. Uh, Italy won the Football World Cup in Germany, uh, and Twitter was launched. Remember any of that? Well, uh, nine years ago, Joe and I had been married a couple of years, and, uh, and we decided the time was right to start having children. At least that had been our plan. But it turns out that, uh, that God didn't seem to agree uh, as time went on, but we were unable to have a baby. We eventually sought medical advice, but uh, they just confirmed it would be extremely difficult for us to get pregnant. There was a a glimmer of hope once, but we miscarried uh, early on, very early on, and that was it. And for years, we lived a seemingly endless cycle of hope followed by disappointment. And it got to the point that we were even scared to let our hopes be raised. We've been prayed for, prayed over, anointed with oil, you name it. We've even been told to buy a pram in faith and then God would give us a baby. And this has been a source of ongoing pain for me. There isn't much in life that that doesn't involve children or reference to them, which is good. Children are great. We celebrate children. But I'm often reminded about what God has not given us, and normal, everyday, good things, 
It can feel a bit like having salt rubbed into an already painful wound. Uh, let me give you uh, an example. You might think this is silly, but this is how it gets sometimes. I even found it hard watching The Lion King. Of course, everything works properly for Simba and Nala, who have no trouble getting pregnant straight away, having a baby. The circle of life works fine for them. I love The Lion King. It's great, especially the musical. Do see it. But it just gets a bit much sometimes. And all of that said, uh, please don't now feel like you need to tread really delicately around us or pretend you don't have any children. Um, we love children. Uh, and to kind of used to, to, to this. It's been going on for a while. And, and I do feel a bit awkward sharing this on, on a morning where we have a dedication. Um, I don't want to put a down on that. And I'm thrilled, really genuinely thrilled, that we can celebrate God's gift of Anastasia to Ardell and Jorinda and to us as a church family. But uh, anyway, that's, that's enough about me for now. We'll come on back to that a little bit and, and uh, we're going to hear from Joe a bit as well. But um, our experiences uh, will be different and the way we respond in these silent times will be different to us, for us too. But that said, I reckon there are three, maybe four questions that we will probably ask, or at least think. Maybe we won't dare to ask them. Is God there? Does God care? And can God help? Is God there? Does God really exist? And if he exists, is he present in my pain? Does he know I am suffering? Or is he distant, uninvolved? Does God care? Is God truly loving? Does God really love me? Does God feel my pain? Does he want to make it better? Can God help? Is God able? Does God have the power to make it better if he wants to? And the fourth question we might ask is, is God punishing me? This was a, a joy-killing question for Joe, and one that we both really wrestled with. God's normal plan is to bless married couples with children. God hasn't blessed us with any. Is God angry? Is he punishing us for something? We're going to watch a, a short video now. Uh, Joe would have uh, shared in person with me this morning, but she's leading Grit, um, so I asked her just to... Uh, do a little bit to camera, so um, if we have the first video, please. Having a baby was something that I'd always dreamed of since I was a child, and it was something that I took for granted that one day I would have children. But when the time came for us and it, and, um, it wasn't going according to plan, the desire for a child became all-consuming and it was hard to handle the constant disappointment. And for me, a real sense of grief began to build up along with feelings of bitterness and envy at others and just a general feeling of emptiness. And as part of this, a big battle with God began. Something that seems so normal for everybody else just seems so unobtainable for us. And that was really hard to handle. I prayed endlessly, others prayed with us and for us, yet nothing ever seemed to change. 
and the desire didn't go away either. In fact, it just became bigger and became really, really overwhelming for me. And if I'm honest, I was very frustrated at God because he wasn't doing the one thing that I wanted most at that point in time. I had many questions going around my head and one of the big things that seemed to happen for me was that the knowledge that I had of God, the things that I'd learned over the years about who he is, um, just, just seemed more difficult to trust now in this situation. One thing particularly for me was that I truly began to believe that God was punishing me, punishing us, me and Dan, for something. Even though I knew that that wasn't the case, I'd always been taught that God doesn't punish those anymore who are his. But what do we do when what we've always believed about God seems to collide with our experiences? What do we do when God appears to be ignoring us? I came to a very low point and eventually realised after much battling that my desire for a child had become bigger than my desire for God and as a result I was thoroughly miserable. So is God there? Does God care? Can God help? Is God punishing me? Maybe you found yourself asking some different questions, or maybe you can identify with one or all of these. I want to affirm that it's okay to ask questions. These are good questions to ask, especially if we're thinking them. I guess the first step we need to take is to be honest with God. Bring our questions to him if we're asking them. And perhaps some of us struggle with that. Maybe it feels naughty, not right or proper. How dare we question God? Well, I suppose we need to be careful how we question. What's the attitude of our heart as we lay these things out before our holy God? But listen to these words. These are just a a selection of prayers recorded in the Bible. First one, Psalm 4, verse 1. Answer me when I call to you, my righteous God. Give me relief from my distress. Have mercy on me and hear my prayer. Psalm 5. Listen to my words, Lord. Consider my lament. Hear my cry for help, my King and my God. For to you I pray. Psalm 6. I'm worn out from my groaning. All night long. I flood my bed with weeping and drench my couch with tears. My eyes grow weak with sorrow. They fail because of all my foes. Psalm 10. Why, Lord, do you stand far off? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? Psalm 13. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long? Will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death and my enemy will say I have overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall. 
We'll skip over the next one just because of time. Psalm 39. Hear my prayer, Lord. Listen to my cry for help. Do not be deaf to my weeping. Awake, Lord, Psalm 44. Awake, Lord. Why do you sleep? Rouse yourself. Do not reject us forever. Why do you hide your face and forget our misery and oppression? We are brought down to the dust. Our bodies cling to the ground. Rise up and help us. Rescue us because of your unfailing love. Psalm 55. Listen to my prayer, O God. Do not ignore my plea. Hear me and answer me. My thoughts trouble me and I'm distraught. My heart is in anguish within me. The terrors of death have fallen on me. Fear and trembling have beset me. Horror has overwhelmed me. We could list so many more cries like this and we haven't even begun to look outside of the Psalms. But if God has put prayers like this in the Bible, then we can be confident he's okay with us talking like this to him. If God has put prayers like this in the Bible, we can be confident he's okay with us talking like this to him, if this is how we feel. We're thinking about being unafraid to trust, and we'll we'll come on to that. But first of all, we must learn to be unafraid to cry, unafraid to groan, unafraid to bring our pain to God. This morning we're going to focus on one of these kinds of prayers, Psalm 22, and here we'll begin to find some answers for our questions. Please do grab a Bible and turn to Psalm 22 with me. You'll find it on page 554 in the church Bibles. So, Psalm 22. Well, first of all, let's just notice the author's cry in verses 1 to 2. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? So far from my cries of anguish. My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, but I find no rest. These are the words of David, the the king of Israel, the nation of God's people in the Old Testament times. Uh, And with some notable exceptions, David was a great example of how to live in relationship with God. And here, great David, the king, experiences abandonment. We don't know exactly what occasion this is referring to, and it doesn't really matter. David felt forsaken by God. David felt like God was distant, even absent. David felt the pain of silence. Though he cried out by day and night, God did not answer him. David experienced abandonment, though he still appealed to my God, my God. And as the psalm goes on, David does something very interesting. In verse 3, David begins to remind himself who God is. And in verse 4, David recalls what God has done. 
David remembers God's past acts of deliverance. Yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the one Israel praises. In you our ancestors put their trust. They trusted and you delivered them. To you they cried out and were saved. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. And again, we can follow David's example in our silences. Cry out to God honestly about them. Cry out to him still as my God. And as we cry out, we can do so reminding ourselves of who God is and recollecting what he has done. Either in our lives, our lives, or in the lives of others. And as David did, we can remind ourselves of God's trustworthiness proven in past generations. But while these words were written by David, this psalm finds its fulfillment on the most unlikely of lips. To see this, we pick up Matthew's account of the crucifixion of Jesus in chapter 27 of his gospel. If you want to follow, it's page 999, but keep Psalm 22 open. We're coming back to it soon. Matthew's account of the crucifixion of Jesus in chapter 27 of Mark's gospel, I'm going to read from verses 33 to 46. The soldiers are taking Jesus away to crucify him. They came to a place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. There they offered Jesus wine to drink, mixed with gall, but after tasting it, he refused to drink it. When they had crucified him, they divided up his clothes by casting lots. And sitting down, they kept watch over him there. Above his head, they placed the written charge against him, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Two rebels were crucified with him, one on his right and one on his left. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, You who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. Come down from the cross if you are the Son of God. In the same way, the chief priests the teachers of the law, and the elders mocked him. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. He's the king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross and we'll believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God rescue him now if he wants him, for he said, I'm the son of God. In the same way, the rebels who were crucified with him also heaped insults on him. From noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over all the land. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now listen to Psalm 22. In this light, listen out for the events of Jesus' crucifixion. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? So far from my cries of anguish. My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, but I find no rest. 
Yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the one Israel praises. In you our ancestors put their trust. They trusted and you delivered them. To you they cried out and were saved. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. But I am a worm and not a man. Scorned by everyone, despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord, they say. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him since he delights in him. Yet you brought me out of the womb. You made me trust in you even at my mother's breast. From birth I was cast on you. From my mother's womb you have been my God. Do not be far from me for trouble is near and there is no one to help. Many bulls surround me, strong bulls of Bashan encircle me. Roaring lions that tear their prey open their mouths wide against me. I am poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint. My heart has turned to wax, it has melted within me. My mouth is dried up like a potsherd and my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of death. Dogs surround me, a pack of villains encircles me. They pierce my hands and my feet. All my bones are on display. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my clothes among them and cast lots for my garments. But you, Lord, do not be far from me. You are my strength. Come quickly to help me. Deliver me from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dogs. Rescue me from the mouth of the lions. Save me from the horns of the wild oxen. And so in this psalm, we have this kind of unfathomable mystery. I think this is the the kind of hardest uh, part of the whole Bible to understand. I think it's the, the deepest mystery. I might be wrong. But the eternal son of the eternal father, the one who is in closest relationship with the father, could be brought to cry out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I can only imagine all of heaven stunned. Angels with their jaws dropped. Those who've got jaws, I guess they all have. Uh, But some of them have got lots of jaws. Uh, But they're there with their jaws dropped, stunned. That the eternal son from the eternal father is crying this. And I think we ought to be careful to say no more than what Scripture says. How can we speculate on exactly what was going on here? But what this does show is that God is indeed there. He is very much near. He's in fact involved. Far from observing on the sidelines, God steps in to our pain. It also shows that God cares. He's moved to action. He loves. He loves so much that the events we've just read about happened. And it also shows that God can and does help. Jesus, God is powerful to save. And Jesus cried, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So that I might never have to cry it for all eternity. And Jesus cried, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So that you 
might not have to cry it for all eternity. Sure, there are still some unanswered questions, things we don't yet understand. It doesn't all make sense yet. But in these events, God has more than proved himself worthy of our trust. Shown that he's there, shown that he cares, shown that he can help. The psalm takes a kind of different tone from from verse 22 onwards. I'm just going to pick it up again. I will declare your name, verse 22, to my people. In the assembly I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, honor him. Revere him, all you descendants of Israel, for he has not despised or scorned the suffering of the afflicted one. He has not hidden his face from him, but has listened to his cry for help. From you comes the theme of my praise in the great assembly. Before those who fear you, I will fulfill my vows. The poor will eat and be satisfied. Those who seek the Lord will praise him. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord. And all the families of the nations will bow down before him. For dominion belongs to the Lord and he rules over the nations. All the rich of the earth will feast and worship. All who go down to the dust will kneel before him. Those who cannot keep themselves alive, posterity will serve him. Future generations will be told about the Lord. They will proclaim his righteousness, declaring to a people yet unborn, he has done it. Uh, This is uh, picked up in Hebrews chapter 2 in the New Testament part of the Bible, where it says, In bringing many sons and daughters to glory, it was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through what he suffered. Both the one who makes people holy... And those who are made holy are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. He says, I will declare your name to my brothers and sisters. In the assembly, I will sing your praises. And the assembly to which these verses refer is ultimately still to come. Uh, Don't picture a NAF school assembly, by the way. Please stop that if any of you are thinking about a NAF school assembly. This is a a vast gathering of people, many, many people, and not just any old people. They are sons and daughters, sons and daughters who God brings to share, brings to glory. These are people who are brought into the same family, adopted in. The same family as the one who came to rescue them, the one who calls them brothers and sisters. And this is the kind of hope that it's good to remind ourselves of when we feel the despair of silence. And uh, uh, we probably, to many of us, there'll be verses familiar in Revelation 21 if they're, they're not. They do take a look at them later on. But familiar verses which kind of remind us of this hope uh, which, we, which, we, which we have. If you're taking notes, have a look at verses 3 to 7. But finally, is God punishing me? Is God punishing me? Well, absolutely not. He has done it, as we read at the end of this psalm, verse 31. It echoes another cry of the Lord Jesus on the cross. It is finished. It is finished. God's rescuing work is done. It is finished. Jesus has paid the price for me. It is finished. Jesus has borne the punishment. All of it. And if Christ has been punished for my sin, then God would be unjust to punish it again by punishing me. There's a, a, 
uh, an old guy, uh, very old, 18th century, um, uh, called Augustus Toplady, who wrote this, this kind of, uh, not, the tune's probably not that great, but well, sorry if you think it is, um, but he wrote this, these kind of really profound words on this. Has not the father put to grief his spotless son for me? And will the righteous judge of people condemn me for that debt of sin which Lord was charged on thee, on you? Complete atonement, complete covering of our sin you have made. And to the utmost you have paid whatever your people owed. Payment God cannot twice demand. First at Christ's hand and and then at mine. But uh, I want to quote a more modern hymn. Uh, so this one's from the 19th century. And uh, by a guy called Horatio Spafford. Uh, and he just sent his wife and his four daughters uh, across from America, I think, to England by sea. And uh, their ship had a crash. And all four daughters uh, drowned and died. Uh, he made the journey over to go and see his grieving wife. And it, it, I, I gather that he wrote this hymn when he was on the ship over the place uh, where his daughters were at the bottom of the sea. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. And he kind of goes on to talk about Satan, the enemy of God's people raging against them, No trials should come. Let this blessed assurance control that Christ has regarded my helpless estate and has shed his own blood for my soul. Is God punishing me? My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to his cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, oh, my soul. Can we have the second um, video, please? One day, I couldn't take being so miserable anymore, and I did what I'd been resisting doing for so long. Through many tears, I repented of my desire for a child having become an idol in my life, because it had. And I also asked God for contentment in Jesus, and in Jesus alone. Now, praying for contentment was a big step for me, because it had been something I'd been afraid of for a long time. I feared that it would mean I just had to accept my circumstances and give up on my dreams. And somehow to me, it always felt like a better option to actively be angry at God, because at least it felt like I was doing something and not just giving in. Contentment and trust seemed like things that were really weak in comparison to fighting and I wanted the situation changed. But that attitude was exhausting. And I learned you can't control God with tantrums. So it was hard, but I prayed for contentment and it turned out to be the best thing that I did. God worked in my heart and I found him speaking to me. I came to see that he hadn't turned his back on me And that the problem had actually been that I was only wanting to hear him speak in one area of my life. As I surrendered myself to Christ and sought contentment in him, he met me in my pain. He increased my longing for him. 
He showed me more of who he is and he deepened my joy in him. He was speaking to me in many ways and assuring me that he hadn't forgotten me. That prayer was five or six years ago now. And as far as I understand, God is still silent for us on the, um, on the issue of childlessness. We don't have a child. We don't understand why God has taken us on this journey. And he hasn't revealed the future to us. So in many ways, it's still confusing and painful. But I've slowly learned through it all that resisting God and battling against him leads to misery because there's suffering and there's no joy in Christ that way. But surrendering to him and seeking contentment in Jesus brings a deepening of joy, even through sorrow. He may not give us all the answers we desire, but he certainly speaks and he always works for our good and our joy in Christ. So, One. sorry, um, <laughs> I think that was the end. Uh, so Joe and I have shared uh, something of our story, and as Joe said, this is still an unresolved silence, but we're learning to trust, and we've also learned to see some of the ways God has used it for our good and the good of others. I want to finish by playing a video uh, of a song which I hope you might find helpful to reflect on the words, uh, or if you need to, then just tune out and reflect personally. Or if you want to ask someone near you to pray for you, pray with you, I'm sure. Um, that'd be good things to do. You've got sort of six minutes or so with the song, so um, whatever. But uh, this song kind of reminds us that God has not forgotten us, that he is with us, he is there, and that he is faithful forever, perfect in love. And uh, let your heavenly Father hear the cry of your heart to him uh, as, you, as we listen to this song. The one who is there, the one who is near, the one who loves you, one who's working for your good is able to. That's the video.